Hey, what's up? Sean here with another episode of Locked on Raptors. And on today's show, we are joined by Jerome Weitzman, who is an NBA reporter for Fox Sports. And he is also the author of the wonderful book, Tanking to the Top, a book all about the 76ers process over the last decade or so. But more recently, he wrote a piece about Nick Nurse and his propensity for squatting, where he did some real journalistic due diligence to put this piece together. It was a really fun one. It turned into a great profile of Nurse and his road to the NBA and your own came on to show on the show to talk about nurse and that piece and the process behind it and then we also talked a little bit about team building and tanking versus not tanking and how the Raptors fit into that conversation in comparison to of course the tanking process Philadelphia 76ers it's a really fun show that's all coming up for you today on the latest Tuesday episode of Locked On Raptors oh like because when I shot I expected to make it so like I don't shoot kind of this you are Locked On Raptors Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the free time of the Hail Mary 3 by Mo Pete. Get that garbage out of here. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 1063 of Locked On Raptors for Tuesday, November the 23rd. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors. And of course, you can find the podcast free and available on all your favorite platforms. So please follow, subscribe, rate, review, and of course, hit that big giant red subscribe button on YouTube as well. It is very much appreciated when you support our little YouTube community. It's uh, it's really cool to see the numbers keep on growing over there. So please jump in and join the wave. Uh, all right, today's show is brought to you by Truebill, which of course is the app that saves you money by helping you identify and stop paying for the subscriptions you do not want or need and can even negotiate better deals on the things you want to keep. Seriously, recommend Truebill. We'll have more on them a little bit later on in the show. But before we get to any of that, we have to introduce today's show and guest, and it's going to be Jerome Weitzman of Fox Sports, a wonderful NBA reporter who a couple weeks back in New York, when the Raptors were there to uh, beat the Knicks in very handy fashion, he did a piece where he didn't really watch the goings on in the game all that much. Instead, he was fixed on Nick Nurse and kept tabs of how often he squatted during the game, doing the important journalism that you need as an NBA fan. He did a really great piece that turned into an awesome profile of Nick Nurse over at Fox Sports. You can go read that. Uh, just search up Nick Nurse squatting Yaron Weitzman, and you'll find it. I promise you that. Uh, but Yaron came on the show today, and I spoke to him yesterday, actually. So you'll see that I'm wearing the same shirt from yesterday's podcast. It's not because I'm a slob. It's because I recorded it yesterday. But Yaron and I, we dug into the squatting story, the fun sort of uh, methodology behind putting it together. We talked about Nick Nurse and sort of the general view on him around the NBA and sort of what his eccentricities are and all that stuff. And then we rounded out with a little chat about team building and, you know, through the lens of his book, Tanking to the Top about the Sixers and their deep tank, we talked about the Raptors who do not deep tank. And that's just kind of not what they do, even though, as your own points out back in 2013, they tried to and wanted to, but almost uh, didn't be, or didn't because they did not end up trading Kyle Lowry, though they almost got there. Either way, really good conversation about team building where the Raptors sit and, you know, is there a pivot point coming for them at some point here in the near future who's to say but your own's awesome really fun chat so without further ado let's get to the conversation with your own weitzman of fox sports enjoy 
All right, joining me now on Locked on Raptors is the author of Tanking to the Top, a book about the Philadelphia 76ers and their process over the last decade or so. And of course, uh, for our purposes, a man who talked about Nick Nurse squatting in a recent profile piece <laughs> for Fox Sports. It is Fox Sports NBA writer, Yaron Weitzman. Yaron, how's it going, man? I'm good. I have, Do I have to, Um, can I still say process? Do I have to go... Uh... Do I have to go process? I don't know. Oh, I, right. I, I forgot. It's different uh, <laughs> on both ends. I guess you can we, – we can go process. We can Americanize it. It's Thanksgiving week. We can Americanize it. I, I got to tell you, I did I've done, I did some uh, some Raptors media around. You might be the first one. Maybe they're hot. Like Blake Murphy and I forget who else. Um, I think I did their podcast. They might have been um, in incognito, right? They weren't they – were, they were embarrassed, <laughs> I guess, of their uh, – comedian roots because i don't remember hearing process now i might be wrong but i feel like that would have stuck out at the time yeah yeah i, I was thinking about throwing an, an, an extra u next to the o in your name in the graphic <laughs> as i was building it up just to lean into the candidate of it all but i figured hey uh again it's thanksgiving week we gotta you know live through america this week i suppose either way you wrote you wrote a story a couple weeks back that i wanted to have you on about uh to talk about it about nick nurse and his propensity for squatting on the sidelines this is of course something Raptors fans are very familiar with. They know all about Nick Nurse's propensity for getting down in the crouch position. Uh, and it's become, as are most of the things Nick Nurse does on the sidelines, it's become something of a meme. And so I wanted to talk to you about this piece. We will get in later on in the talk conversation. I want to talk to you just about kind of like team building, the Raptors philosophy versus the Sixers and all of that in processes uh, <laughs> as they were. <laughs> but let's dig into the Nick Nurse piece because it's a super fun piece Really interesting way you went about it. But the thing I have to ask you is, like, you, our friend James Herbert, former and future guest (laughs) of this podcast, took a photo of you, like, in the middle of writing this piece with a stopwatch during this Raptors-Knicks game when they were there a few weeks back. Like, Can you just kind of detail exactly, like, did you watch anything else in this game other than Nick Nurse on the yeah. sidelines? Was this expressly your assignment for the day? Uh, Jesse, journalism's a hard, right? It's a dirty, <laughs> tough profession. It takes work. These kind of Pulitzer type pieces don't come about by themselves. You got to put in the effort, and that's what I'm willing to do for my uh, employers <laughs> at Fox Sports. Um, yes, yeah, so I don't remember. I don't remember. Someone asked me. I don't remember for life of me where I got the idea from. I mean, I sure. obviously I got it. Like, oh, that's weird. I noticed it. Hey, I wonder why that's happening. Let me Google it. Or I read. So I don't remember. Right. I wrote it down. We all have big spreadsheets where I have like hundreds of ideas. Not hundreds. You know, maybe a hundred to fifty to a hundred ideas randomly that like. 98% of them end up not coming to fruition or being just nonsense. Sure. But this one, um, yeah, I decided, you know what, I'm going to do it. So I went to practice that morning first. So the shoot around, excuse me, I went to Raptors shoot around. I did some pre reporting. I'm sure we'll get into it. Made some calls to people from Nurse's Life, um, mm-hmm. trying to see where it started, why it started. Went to Raptors shoot around that morning. Got a weird answer from him, which I'm sure we'll get to. I know I'm not fully answering your question here, but got a weird answer from him where he basically <laughs> said, ah, geez, which was great. Um, you know, I basically do it to get out of the fans' ways, which was not what I was expecting. And I thought, uh-huh. like, you're just, you're just bullshitting, right? I figured it was just, like, blowing it off. And he was pretty <laughs> insistent. Um, I asked him again, kind of, the way these things work is we have scrums, and then you put your recorders off, and you kind of all scroll, scroll out. The Raptors do mm-hmm. shoot around before they practice. So you kind of, we're all thrown at PR person saying, time to go, and we're walking off. And, like, sometimes you put the recorder down and you ask follow-ups. That's one of my favorite tricks. And sometimes uh-huh. you get these guys to say things. Um, I'm like, wait, was that real? He was, no, 100%, 100%. Asked him some other stuff there. So anyway, so then I go to the game that night. I'm like, you know what? The way to do this is to see <laughs> how often he actually does it. So I had to stop watching. At first, he didn't do it a lot at the beginning, like the first couple of possessions. And I'm like, this is going to be mm-hmm. easy. 
Um, and then that is it was it, it did not become easy because as we have uh, the uh, the data on it, he did it pretty frequently. And uh, at one point, James turned to me and be like, "I would love to quiz you about anything that happened in this game, right?" <laughs> Otherwise, <laughs> so like I was able, you know, I, I followed a little bit, but like if you asked me to break down the uh, you know how the Knicks attacked the Raptors' aggressive uh, defense that night, that was I was not the person for such a task. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, that's the that's the answer. That's outstanding. Did, was there any time where you were unsure? Did you like? Did you look away and you, like? Did you have like a fear uh, that you had missed him squatting? Did you yeah, have like yeah, a yeah, second like, spotter I'll, out I'll, there to help? I could have used a second <laughs> spotter. Listen, between you and I, right? Uh, there may have been a few things. Oh shit, I missed it. Okay, I'll add four seconds. Right? Like I, I could use, like <laughs> yeah. it might have been a few of those. Um, or like the stopwatch, I clicked restart, didn't restart right away. You know, things like that. This was not exactly a. Uh, I wasn't using like the NBA tracking camera. Right? I could have used one of those. This was not NBA <laughs> tracking cameras. It's where my eyes and a stopwatch and a spreadsheet. Um, so yeah, I could I could have used the second person for sure. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, I, I do want to kind of expand upon this, Yorona, because it does I think speak to just like the quirky oddball that Nick Nurse seems to be. It's sort of like the tip of the iceberg when it comes to Nick Nurseisms and things that he'll do <laughs> and express on the sideline. Uh, and we will get to that in just one second here, Yorona. But I do want to tell first our friends about. Our, uh, sorry, you about our friends over at Shopify. Cha-ching, do you hear that sound? I love that sound. It's the sound when another sale is made on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. In case you don't know, Shopify is a complete commerce platform that lets you start, grow, and manage a business. The subscription-based model software allows anyone to set up an online store and sell their product. Shopify store owners can also sell in physical locations using Shopify POS, our point-of-sale app, and accompanying hardware. Shopify gives entrepreneurs the resources once reserved for big businesses only, so upstarts can start up and uh, you know establish businesses alike just and they can sell everywhere it's synchronized online in-person sales effortlessly stay informed all the stuff that the big companies get in the beautiful package of a small business scaling your business is a journey of endless possibility and shopify helps make your entrepreneurial dreams come true i love how shopify has the tools and resources to make it for easy for any business to succeed right from down in the street to around the globe and uh, if you go to shopify.com slash locked on NBA right now, all lowercase, you'll get a free 14 day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Grow your business with Shopify today. Go to shopify.com slash locked on NBA right now. Shopify.com slash locked on NBA. All right, Yaron, let's continue on here and sort of t- taking the leap off of the diving board set up by the Nick Nurse squatting conversation. You know, you did a longer profile of Nurse, spoke to a lot of people from his past, Chris Finch, uh, you know, his nephew, lots of folks who have kind of interacted with him over the years. And, you know, I, I think everyone's kind of always had the impression of Nick Nurse that he's a bit of an oddball, kind of a quirky dude, has his own little intricacies and idiosyncrasies and all of that. I'm curious for you, like, what was the overall impression you got of Nick Nurse speaking to people from his past as just, like, what kind of guy he is? How do people sort of view him and all of those different weird personality traits that he's got? It's an interesting question. Um, yeah, well, <laughs> this the idea, like, he's a bit of a paradox, might not be the exact right word, but just the, you know, the style, the guy wearing the stylish suits. And the NBA coach in the stylish suits is not who you think of like when you think of an Iowan small town basketball coach, right? Sure. <laughs> I asked, um, oh, who was it? Uh, it's uh, uh, Greg McDermott. Is that his name? Mm-hmm. Doug McDermott's father, right? Who Nick Nurse? Um, I don't think this means the story, but who Nick Nurse uh, knew for years. I think they played with each other. They coached with each other. Um, mm-hmm. 
and I asked him about like the Nick always have the style there, and he goes, he's from I'm forgetting the town. What town is Nick from? Some some something with a C Iowa. Something from, Iowa, yeah. Uh. He's, he's from Blake Iowa. There's no style there, right? Something like that. Carol right? Iowa. Carol, thank you. I couldn't remember. I forgive me, Carol Iowans, if you are a Carol Carolinians. Carolins. We have a listening. lot of Carol Iowa based listeners to the podcast, so yes, please apologize. <laughs> yes. Um, so I just found like I found the squatting to be just revealing again going back to the answer about like why he does it and at first i thought it was that's nonsense but i just found it revealing that oh wait he, his journey is different right he is and i write this in a story he's not somebody who was tad for coaching stardom from the beginning and he is not somebody that and very few are right there's a lot of stories about video coordinators and stuff grinding their way through but even for a, a uh uh, compared to others, colleagues in a position where many of them have to grind and come from nowhere, you know, Spolstra and Frank Vogel types where you're video coordinator and you're climbing the ladder. Mm-hmm. Nurse's journey to head coaching is even, is unique even compared to that, right? Because it's like, right. he literally worked these places where, so the G, the G League team, the Iowa Storm, I think they're the Storm, D League, Energy. Them. Energy, excuse me, Energy yeah. Storm, same thing. I'm really hitting my details right now. Um, <laughs> I should have reread the story before I came on. Um <laughs> The, like he bought that team basically. He convinced the rich guy in local in Iowa to be like, yeah, let's let's buy a team, bring it here, so I can coach. He basically literally created his own opportunity, right? He mm-hmm. uh, went to um, in London or in Britain, in some place in the British Basketball League. They signed Dennis Rodman as a publicity stunt. Like he's somebody whose his background is one where worrying about how the and this brings back to squatting, right? Worrying about how the fans in seat in row one can see the game and how they how what their experience is like at the game is something that probably had to matter had, he had to take into into account in a way that i would say i don't know if any other coach in the nba has had to right. go through that so i find that really interesting i i don't but i don't buy the squatting thing i don't buy the <laughs> reasoning at all i just he's like a high strung stressed out dude that to me seems like what's going on here but Maybe he's just really uh, worried about the Richies in row one, right? <laughs> I um, I wish I could have run some more like data about like when because there was some interesting stuff about he was squatting more when they were down versus when they right. were uh, when they made a good run. Um, he squatted less. I found this really interesting. I didn't know what to do with it, so I couldn't put it in. But that third quarter, it was a Knicks the Knicks game I watched. Um, yeah, and someone else had that. Um, it was the first time I think in his Raptors head coaching career that he hadn't made a substitution that he didn't make a single substitution the entire quarter. Yeah. Um, and the squatting numbers went down there. So like, I didn't, I didn't know what to do with that, but I just found that interesting. Like, is there some kind of correlation connection here? Um, yeah, it would be cool. You know, if you get, get me a team of interns and some tracking cameras and we'll get more data on the when and why's and specifics <laughs> of when he goes down. But I cut, you know, we are, we are, we all are limited in our, <laughs> our endeavors. To me, it kind of feels like a, a coping mechanism to keep himself from getting texts all the time. It's That's like a thing like that. That to me is my working theory because boy, does he like to scream at refs and maybe this is just a way to kind of <laughs> exactly. center himself out a little bit of a yoga pose or something like that uh, to go to the, the official stats that you did pull uh from the uh from the game as you mentioned he squatted most in the second quarter uh raptors win that quarter i believe they take the lead or they you know they draw closer that before blowing them out in the third quarter with that yes. subless quarter we talked about um the thing that's interesting though to me looking at the stats here the fourth quarter four squats but the average time of squat significantly higher than the rest of the game yeah, what, uh, again yeah, i think lending credence to the idea that it's a stress thing no <laughs> I get he had one tour, but then it's the longest one. You know, at least as we're talking, I'm gonna try to look this up. Um, yeah, 
Here, the longest actually, one. I can, how about I find a way to share this image on screen? That might you can do that. I have a lot my more own sense. Notes. Yeah, <laughs> I have my own notes about when the we can do that. I have my own notes. I'm going to talk as I'm doing this about that. That there was one 68 second squat, and I believe it was like toward the end of the game. The game was already in uh, in hand, which mm-hmm. was um, and that was random. I didn't know what to do with that at all. Right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, had, I had nothing. Oh, I'm looking at those. Okay, it was it was at the eight minute thirty two mark. So the game was mostly in hand by then, I believe. Um, I guess that was mm-hmm. toward the middle of fourth quarter. I don't have it exactly. We can look it up. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it was interesting. I wish I had more. Again, and I don't have a control. Someone was like, "Well, you need a control compared to other coaches." I was like, "Listen, I'm not doing this for every coach. He squats more than other coaches. I don't know. You know we can do the Spolstra." Spolster is a knee. He does a squat a little bit. He's more of a kneeler. He'll go down on one knee and like do like right. the uh, Sphinx thing. Um, <laughs> the uh, I'm not doing the other one. Nurse squats more than the coaches. I say that is uh, that is fact scientifically. So so I don't know. That's it. Yeah. Now I'm wondering who like squats the least of all the coaches. Like who's just like I, maybe it's like an age thing. They just can't get into the position. Yeah, so well, really that's the most that impressive part, man. That he gets. He's, yeah. uh, well, how old is Nurse? He's fifty. He, I mean, 54, I yeah. 54? Like that he gets mm-hmm. up and down. He said he had some catching uh some catching uh experience, which I thought right. uh was helpful. I also asked him, I wondered, I asked him if uh, I don't think this made the story, but I asked if um, you know, the chain and dress code. I know for me, I if you I put a suit on, I can't do I can't move, right? Like I can't right. do anything. No bending, I would rip my pants. Um I asked him <laughs> if the change in dress code helped facilitate the squatting, and he said, No, I I think he said uh the exact quote was, I, I get the most comfortable suits, man. I'm all good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, that was another thing I wanted to ask you about. I don't know if you talked to him about this at all with the suits because he has abandoned. I know they've kind of gotten rid of the dress code. I always assumed Nurse was going to be a guy who was like eager to get back into the suits. And I think yeah. they've kind of opened it up. You can wear it if you want, but you can't. And he's opted instead for like some whack looking polos that look truly terrible. I, I, I'm curious, like, did you get any word? I on, did like, not. Is he going to go back to the suits at all? I did not. We did not get into style. I think that night I saw him, uh, he was wearing, it was a weird, he might have been like, the, you know, the quarter zip is the classic. I feel like he might have been rocking a, a jacket over a quarter zip. It was a little confusing. Um, right. <laughs> yeah. It's like a mixture, you know, uh, casual and formal. Yeah. I, I did not get into style. Far be it for me, though, to uh, criticize as anyone watching this can see. This is like this is my this is my nice sweatshirt, right? Um, so far, being for me to criticize someone else's style. Oh, I feel like I wear the same four shirts in rotation on the videos. <laughs> exactly. and this is a new one. This is, and I wore it on yesterday's podcast because I recorded both on Monday. So I'm uh, really doing myself <laughs> lots of style favors as I talk about Nick Nurse's lacking style. Uh, you see the the squatting stats there. I'll leave it up for a second as we continue the chat so people can soak in the numbers. But I do want to ask you your own, just sort of your general thoughts about Nurse as a coach. You know, you obviously cover the whole NBA. He is. I think among Raptors fans mostly agreed upon that he's a very good coach and he obviously won them the title and the box and one and he's outside of the box and all of that. But I do think, you know, as most coaches end up sort of suffering, he is kind of one of the, you know, the, the culprits in the minds of Raptors fans for when the team loses. I don't necessarily agree. I think the fact that, you know, they had COVID for the last half of last season and the fact that they've had a lot of injury and sort of new guys in the lineup this season, no Kyle Lowry, that is far more to blame for their losing record, but he is kind of stubborn. He is steadfast in the way that he, you know, he deploys his defense, even though the defense keeps not working, he will keep rolling it out until it does. 
What are your general thoughts on, on Nurse's quality as a coach? Do you kind of consider him to be among sort of the elite tier class? Is he sort of, you know, a guy you don't think about that much? It's hard not to think about him considering just sort of all the other stuff we've talked about here. But what's your sort of read on Nurse as a coach in general, both from your own you know perspective and, you know, from talking to folks around the league? Um, I mean, I'm, I'm going to say I'm a fan. That's the wrong phrase. People, far be from me to pretend I know more ba- basketball than Nick Nurse, right? Um mm-hmm. People I talk to say, you know, like you said, really good, very good coach, good control. Yeah, the de- I mean, listen, I get it. I'm a Raptors fan, and you see, what are they ranked now in defense? I just looked it up today. Are they down to twenty something? They're uh, so yeah, it's not great. The Warriors game was not awesome for an already not awesome stretch. <laughs> yeah, and, and all because you're playing the same style. And listen, all coaches deal with this, right? At what point do you have to adapt your uh, schemes to your personnel? And that's a code. Mm-hmm. That's a uh, existential question that every coach and it's more so even good coaches right because if you if you got to that point where you have a scheme that you're tied to chances are because is because it was at one point very successful for you um mm-hmm. you don't see like bad coaches saying well we have to play my way and this is because <laughs> they were fired five times right um so that part it's going to be interesting to see how nurse plays that throughout this year especially you know don't i i don't think you can criticize someone for abandoning something for not abandoning something where we two weeks like a month into the season not even 20 yeah. games like that's fine if you get to 45 games here and it's not, you know, then it'll, then it'll be interesting. Um, the, uh, I mean, the roster, like they're good players. It's pretty bare, right? It's pretty, it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's thin. The talent, the depth is thin. How about that? Would you agree? I mean, you watch Raptors more than I do. I would say that's been, they're clearly yeah. missing a top guy, right? And that's, you know, they have a great team and it's how they, but this is how they benefit with Kawhi, right? It's kind of a similar type of thing. They have the great team where if you drop the A-lister in there, it would all look great because all these yeah. guys are fantastic <laughs> supporting guys. But mm-hmm. you don't have that guy, and you have to figure out how to go. But I mean, he's really good. And last, I agree with you. Last year was a um, was a complete wash. You know, I, I think everyone knows that. Talk to anyone who's around the team. You don't have to be yeah. like you don't even need like an insider perspective on that. If you're just a human, you understand that. And sure, they had an engineer tank basically toward the end. So the the final record, I mean, again, people listening to your podcast know the point differentials and how those were good. And the final record was different. Um, mm-hmm. The stuff I thought he handled last year with Pascal Siakam. Siakam, I don't know why I say Siakam, Siakam, that he came back and that they seem to be recovered. A lot of coaches and players would not have been able to do so. Again, let's see how the season plays out, but mm-hmm. a lot of times that would have led to a trade in the offseason because, okay, we can, they can't work together. That sure. says something from his ability to put his ego kind of aside and be like, no, no, I want this guy, this guy's good, and also his ability to kind of um, engender respect from his players. Uh, sure. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the rest of the year plays out. Yeah, no kidding. I I just want to see them, you know, with uh, the same group of players for more than a game at a time is that, really the yep. thing here. Because I think yeah. that's when Nurse really works his magic, right? Is he, oh, I have this set of players. This is how I can best deploy them. And then usually they'll figure it out, but they just have not had that luxury so far. And cohesion, right? They use their cohesion yeah. and, and uh, their cohesion to a strength, right? Now, I mean, that was like the whole Lowry head of the monster thing, right? Everyone totally, knew yeah. everyone else is going to be and we can, we might not be more talented, and but we're going to play the proper way and all that stuff. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I do want to finish off here, your own. You wrote a wonderful book about the Philadelphia 76ers and their uh, long-term process. There we go again with the Canadian in me. Uh, and, and, you know, how it's all kind of transpired. And the Raptors, I think, are an interesting comparison point because they did not do the tank and, and strip down thing. And they're very much not doing that now. They lucked into a fourth overall pick, but their whole franchise ethos has been we're never tanking and th- you're just going to deal with it. And we're going to win and develop. I want to talk to you about that in just a second here, your own. But first, I want to tell everybody about our friends over 
at, uh, oh God, I've lost my tab here. It's Truebill, baby. We love Truebill. Truebill, of all the companies we've ever had on the podcast, uh, it really is one of like the top three that speaks specifically to a problem do you, that I have. Do you know why free trials renew without your consent? It is a business scam to get your money out of you. And don't let greedy corporations pocket your money with the free trial thing. Download Truebill to take care of your subscriptions. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't need, want, or simply forgot about. On average, people save up to $720 year, $20 a year with Truebill because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel. Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. And your Truebill concierge, they have concierges, is there and uh, when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to. I have this problem a lot because I'm a forgetful guy and I will sign up for a, an e-card site, for example, that costs 60 bucks a year to send one e-card in the middle of a pandemic and not forget, not like end my subscription for two years. I did that. Yeah, I'm an idiot. Uh, either way, if I had Truebill, I would not have done that. Don't fall for subscription scams. Start, start canceling today at Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Go right now to Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. It could save you thousands. Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. And today's show is brought to you by our friends over at RockAuto.com, who you know by now I love because they make the terrifying world that is car repairs much more easy and friendly to navigate because you're not going to the mechanic anymore saying, hey, my car is broken. Can you fix this? And they will say, yes, I will charge you this part for this much money. And there's no wiggle room whatsoever. RockAuto.com has all the parts you might need for your car available on a very easy to use website. So easy that I can use it. And then you can take that part in and go say, hey, I have this part. Can you put it in my car now? And they're not going to charge you the crazy rate that they will charge you for the one version of that part they have in the store. They have multiple options at rockauto.com brand specification prices all for the the low price of whatever they want to sell it to you for but they're going to sell it to you far less than they are going to sell it to you at a mechanic or a dealership so be sure to check out rockauto.com their website's so easy to use i've used it before i found cheap parts there before i found a gas cap for my old nissan versa for four dollars compared to the 20 bucks the dealership wanted to sell me or charge me to to fix it Go to rockauto.com. You're going to save yourself some money. Go to Rock Auto right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on there. How did, you, how did you hear about us, Bucks? And know that we sent you as well. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts you'll ever need at rockauto.com. And we are here to close things out with your own Weitzman, author of, oh God, uh, <laughs> Tanking the Top. Uh, very sorry, your own. My all brain. good. Good. Uh, I have far too many tabs open for today's episode. It was not uh, my typical sort of a way of going. But either way, uh, you wrote Tanking to the Top. Uh, was it last year it came out uh, about the Sixers process? I, I don't know what time is anymore. Last year, year before. What year is it? Either way, um, a really good look at the way the Sixers have gone about their, their team building and in many ways kind of altered the way team building is looked at around the NBA. Obviously, you know, the Raptors, very different situation. They have never decided, at least not in the last decade or so, to go full teardown. Their philosophy has been, we'll stay good, stay relevant, develop and win at the same time. And hopefully that leads to good things. And it did, in fact, lead to good things at the expense of the process Sixers, in one one case, in 2019. So, own, I'm curious, just sort of through your writing of that book, through like your observation of the NBA in your job as an NBA writer... Where are you at in the whole idea of tanking? And where do you think the Raptors plotted in terms of like ideal pathways to building a team? 
do you sort of side with the way the Raptors have gone about things? Or do you still, or I don't know if you ever did, but do you view tanking to be kind of the most surefire way to get to the promised land that every team eventually wants to get to? You know what's interesting about that, though? The Raptors, um, and this is pretty well documented, um, the Sayojiri wanted to tank, right? Yep. See, like the <laughs> plan did. was to tear everything <laughs> down, and then, and they, then they traded Rudy Gay. Again, I'm mm-hmm. not telling your fans anything they don't know, but the rest is history, right? Like the plan mm-hmm. was to come in, tear down, tank. Rudy Gay trade was step one. Kyle Lowry could have been a Nick, right? Which like just mm-hmm. all these, all these things. That was the plan, and then they just won too many games, and it became unfeasible. Mm-hmm. And they kind of hung around there because like you know, tear down a 50 win team or whatever the hell they were. Um, oh wait, Kawhi's available. Okay, let's get him. Um, and it'll be interesting to know now. I mean, we kind of had the answer last year, right? It would be interesting to know what. My, uh, whether that changed Masai's um, outlook on tanking. Forget me, because mm-hmm. clearly he wanted to, and whether he said, no, you know what, the move is to be competitive, hang around, you build the culture, both with internally and also externally around your fan base and like standards mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, listen, they could have tanked last year. They could have just said, uh, you know, first sale sign, Kyle Lowry, come have him. Uh, yep. Siakam, come have him, you know, bad lead, you don't want it, whatever. But you could have, they, they decided not to do it, the Lowry, the lack of a Lowry trade was most telling there in terms of the uh, equation they used. And I think, I don't know, that, I think that was a mistake. I understand why they did it, but I think mm-hmm. given how that played out. Um, so uh, my view, I mean, the odds have changed a little bit where the all out tank, it's harder to do just because you're less likely to get the number one pick. You're less likely to get yeah. those top three and that those little odds make a difference. And I think the way contracts are now structured and the way, um, there's more player movement now, maybe tilts the odds even a little further. If you're talking about mm-hmm. like, okay, we used to be, you know, I don't know, 50, uh, it was a 50% uh, benefit, that's improper phrasing, but of uh, tanking, well, the odds moved that down to 35, and now player contracts are shorter and stars come in the market more regularly and guys are always asking for trades, so that slices off another 5% or certain teams, you know, if you're in a big market, it's probably never worth it, honestly, to tank. You want to mm-hmm. rebuild, but not tank, right? There's a big difference. Sure. Um, so it kind of goes that goes around. I mean, OKC—they're the closest thing we've seen to the process Sixers since, um, and it's going to be fascinating to see what they do because they have a guy. They have an All Star. They have a guy. And yeah. What's going to happen? Like they signed him, but like at some point, he's not going to be cool being on a team that tells him to shut down for the last second half of the year every year, right? <laughs> um, so what's like? How are you going to play it? Is it going to be worth it to trade Shea Gilders Alexander because your timeline's different? Just it, you get you get these weird questions brought to you so i just to me it's always like you don't tank or uh, the idea of saying we're gonna tank for multiple years you don't that would be silly right i'm pro mm-hmm. and i think the right move is to do a rebuild and you try to reassess and clean your books a little bit or get younger things like that but i don't mm-hmm. know about a four or five year thing anymore yeah the thunder uh routinely referred to as a dirt franchise on this podcast uh- <laughs> And I, I know there's lots of lustful Canadians really hoping that that Shea Gildas Alexander trade is, uh, you know, exactly. demanded to go to one specific place. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I think this Raptors team will be super interesting at the end of this season to see yes. where things go. Because like I, I've long maintained that I, I this is a Hakuna Matata season for me. I just want to see what this team is. I'm not worried about wins and losses. I'm more worried about am I enjoying watching the games and so far so good on that front. I think they're 16 and two in the did I enjoy watching the game department, Meh. which is nice. So, you know, that's kind of taken care of. But obviously, you know, you got to see how things work with Scotty Barnes and how Pascal Siakam fits into that and all of that. And there's long-term considerations here. And I do think 
it'll be a really interesting test case of has the philosophy changed or is it still the same? If they get to the end of this season, maybe they're a middling, you know, 35 to 41 win team or something like that. And in a loaded East, right? what's their next step in a loaded East? Yeah. And like, what's the next step? Is that the signal to them? Okay. We've got Scotty Barnes in tow. He's obviously going to be very good someday. He's well ahead of schedule already, even with some recent struggles. Does that kind of recalibrate? And then do they look to go younger again and maybe sort of quote unquote tank, but like sort of purpose purposefully not be very good next season or do they say, hey, we've got this pretty good sort of core of dudes in here. Yes, they were a 41-win team, but like hey, that's kind of ahead of schedule in some ways. You know, however the fit looks, maybe the fit between Siakam and Barnes looks particularly strong. And then do they continue on the, all right, well, we're not going to win a title next season, but let's just kind of run it back and see what happens. That's always going to be my pr- preferred outlook. I'd rather just like see a cool, good team play and then hopefully get lucky some year. But you know, and I guess I was proved right in that being my preferred outlook uh, with the Raptors over the last half decade here. But like the Siakam thing, I think is fascinating because I don't think they should trade him. But the calls from people around the world, around the league this year were pretty strong. Like, oh, they should go look at trading him. The Warriors obviously just had this poo-poo platter that everyone was trying to sandwich a deal in and make it work. But I guess, yeah, this isn't even really a question. This is bad podcast hosting. I'm just kind of curious on your thoughts on how this season could dictate that philosophy for the Raptors. I mean, it's what you're saying, right? I think, and again, like I'm not saying anything that Masai Ujiri and his staff don't know, and that they're probably mm. not doing, right? I'm pro just as a basketball, both a fan and I guess an analyst, right? Like mm-hmm. it's about being opportunistic. Like the sure. Raptors have good players. They have lots of good players. They don't have a star. Van Vliet, good player. OJ Anobi, good player. Pascal Siakam, good player. Uh, Scotty Barnes, looks like a good player. Who am I missing? Who am I, who am I missing? Gary Trent Jr. is in there. Gary Trent Jr. Jr. good player, right. Yeah, and like so, the, like these are guy, like these are good, legitimate um, uh, starters on a championship level team, if not better, right? Some of them, mm-hmm. right? Uh, maybe want to say Trent's a six man, whatever. But you get the point, right? These are these are really good guys. I wouldn't want to tear that deck. Well, you can do a fire sale to do what? To what end? To restart yeah. and like get the number one pick. Um, now means like you know maybe yeah you can trade one guy at a time if you're not going to make the playoffs, or you try to flip for even like the Warriors example. Maybe the if you're the Raptors and you think James Wiseman, you know, we think he's really good. He's like, we have him ranked really high, rated really high. We can get him for Siakam. Making this up completely, right? Like, that might be something <laughs> you do, take a step back, stuff like that. But I, I think um, the goal is to get good players and make a good team. And then you kind of figure out how to go there and mold and fit and what moves to make along the margins to sort of move yourself to the right area. And that can sometimes mean one step back to take two steps forward. But I wouldn't take five steps back, right? I, I think that would be mm-hmm. a mistake. Yeah, I'm with you as well. And, you know, I think the Sixers are kind of the proof that there are no guarantees in any of this. I mean, they got Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid and look at where they are now. I mean, they might still be good. They might win a title without Ben Simmons. But, um, you know, it gets a lot more difficult when you have a max salary guy who's just hanging out. Um, mm-hmm. Jerome, this was awesome, man. I, I want to thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, where can people check out uh, your wonderful work and as well as the book? Sure, you can get the book uh, wherever books are sold. Um, yeah, it's a good one. If I may say so myself, check it out. You can check out my work <laughs> at uh, foxsports.com. You can check us out on social and Fox Sports app, which is pretty good, if I may say so myself. Um, yeah, you know, all, all that good stuff. You can see me on Twitter at your own Weitzman as it's uh, written on the screen there. I look forward to your next piece in which you uh, document how many times OG Ananobi falls down uh, throughout a game or something like that. Uh, really excited for you to not pay attention to the games at all and look for these small intricacies. That is, again, oh, 
journalism, baby. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> a reminder, the book is taking to the top. The Philadelphia 76ers and the most audacious process in the history of professional sports. Uh, that'll do it for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in, as always, and making us your first listen of the day. You can uh, tune in on Wednesday. I believe I'm going to do a mailbag episode, so get your questions in for that. Thursday, Katie Heindel is going to be on. We're going to talk about Raptors Grizzlies as well. So that's what you have to look forward to here, to here coming up. But until then, thank you so much for tuning in, and we will talk to you again on Wednesday with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.